This is Emma Clark. I'm here for the Brooklyn Public Library's Our Streets, Our Stories project. It is April 18th, 2016, and I'm here at the Central Library with Charlie Fisher. Welcome. Well, thank you. So, you're joining us from Ohio currently? Yes, I live in Ohio. I lived in, uh, in Park Slope from the time I was born until the time I left to go to the military when I was uh, 19. And so, take us back, so you, were you born in Park Slope? In Methodist Hospital on 7th, 7th Street and just above 7th Avenue, yes. Mm -hmm. And what were your parents doing at the time? My mom was working in a florist shop on 5th Avenue in, on, uh, between 8th and 9th Street, and my dad had a TV repair store. And uh, he was from Brooklyn originally. My mom was from Thunderbolt, Georgia. They met during the war. How did they meet, do you know? Um, he was stationed in Savannah, and. Uh, she worked for the local newspaper, and uh, he was at the USO, and she did an interview, and they got together, and stayed together. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know why they moved to Brooklyn? Because he was from here, and his family structure was here, and he could get a job here easier, you know, coming out of the service when the war was over. So they came up here, and uh, much to my grandfather's dismay down <laughs> south, because he was southerner, you New Yorkers, we don't need them down here. <laughs> okay, well, then I'm going home, and she's coming with me. <laughs> did you get a chance to know your, your father's family then, since they uh, were in the area? I, yeah, I got to meet my aunts and uncles and my grandmother. My grandfather, unfortunately, died when I was four, so I don't remember him at all. But uh, he, his dad, um, we call him Pop Woods, his last name is Woods, uh, he was a, quite a character. He, he uh, led the first parade from Steeplechase Park. You're too young to remember Steeplechase yeah. Park down by Coney Island. But uh, uh, he was... a uh, he walked the boardwalk at Coney Island every day, rain or shine, and, and, and he was 93 years old and he's still walking it. And it's a story that I've heard in the family and I don't know how true it is, but I believe it's true that uh, he used to work in a bar and I know that he worked as a bartender at age 93. And one day he was talking to some young chick about 60 years old and he came around and sat next to her on the bar stool and her husband came in, knocked him off his bar stool, hit his head, walked away home and died in his sleep. Anyway, that's that's family lore. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> the bar was on 15th Street and, and 7th Avenue. Mm -hmm. So what was that family dynamic like? Did, were you a close-knit family at all? Yeah, we were very close. We lived um, in a third-floor apartment between 2nd and 3rd Street. My dad called it, uh, we lived on the third floor of a vacant lot. It was <laughs> it was not the greatest, but you know, the, the heat and hot water were eh, sometimes, sometimes not, you know. But it was, it was you know, I had three brothers growing up, an older brother and two younger brothers. So it was up and down three flights of stairs all the time. I mean, vertical was just another direction for a kid, you know, <laughs> left and right, up, it doesn't matter, you just go. And went to PS 77, and uh, I've, got, I've got all my report cards from PS 77. Wow, great. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, these are awesome. Yeah. Anyway, um, that was, it was right around the corner. So after the first day of school in kindergarten, I was on my own getting there because we didn't have to worry about walking the streets in those days, you just did. And at school crossing guard, which was a sixth grader with a badge and an attitude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you go across the street and you go down the block and the school was right there. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, here's the, that's the entrance of the school. It was built in 1870. It was uh, a museum, it was a, that was a couple other things and then it was finally a school for New York City school system. So they had a big playground and played in the schoolyard and, Actually, they didn't have a playground, they had a schoolyard. 
Nothing like the fancy stuff kids have these days. We don't we didn't have anything like that. Swing sets and yeah, <laughs> padded anything. <laughs> so what would you describe your childhood like in the area? Active, busy, always up in Prospect Park. Mm-hmm. You know, always up in there. Or the down at the it's called Washington Park, down on Third Street and, and Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. And hung around down there, but, but played stickball in the street on Third Street. And uh, always on, I'd live between second and third, and it was the second streeters against the third streeters, but I was always welcome either one because I lived exactly in the middle, so I could go either way. Uh-huh. So I'd, I'd, I'd play um, uh, stickball in the schoolyard or I'd play stickball in the street, depending <laughs> on which side I went to. Second street was schoolyard, third street was uh, street. Mm-hmm. And capture the flag games would go on for like days. It's called an account of darkness, and you'd come back in the morning and start over again. Um, Halloween was always, you probably don't do these kind of things anymore. They had, uh, you get a, a sock, a white sock, and you put chalk in it, and you put it under a, a bus wheel, and it crunches it down fine, and you start Never smacking things that. with the chalk sock. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, easy, it's easily washed off, but yeah. you go home, and you're just covered with right. chalk. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, and so was, was the neighborhood block culture sort of a... Because it's not... it was it was it was sort of ethnic. Um, the, the the Swedes were about four blocks down. Mm-hmm. We were the the Irish Germans. Below us were, were, were Puerto Rican. Up to the right were uh, English and Irish. And it was it was it was ethnic, but it wasn't you know uh, uh, strict. I mean, you go here, you go there. It was you know it was it was a, a like a natural flow to a neighborhood. No, the only reason it was called considered Swedish is because that's where the Swedish uh, grocery store was. Mm-hmm. So that's Swedish. The German store was over here. Irish store was up there. Puerto Rican store was down there. More Spanish. Now you call it a bodega, but now mm-hmm. it was just the Puerto Rican grocery store. Did you have any favorite uh, sort of places or businesses, restaurants, cafes, shops uh, in the area when you were a kid? Oh, well, sure, uh, let alone going downtown, you know, which was the big thing, downtown Brooklyn, <laughs> where they had all the displays in the store windows and, uh, you know, Abraham and Strauss and all of that stuff. Um, we had the local haunts, that size uh, candy store was right across the street from me, and they'd throw you out if you get looking at the magazines too long, that kind of, that kind of stuff. And um, the pizza shop was right next door. I lived up over... Um, well, it depends on what day it was, what was in there. They had uh, gypsies in there. They had uh, you know, a real estate place. They had, I don't know, 10 or 20 businesses while I lived there for 18 years. So it was like, you know, always watch out for when you go past there. You, know, you don't never know they're going to reach out and grab you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> they never did. And next door to that was the post office. And that post office is still there, still looks the same. Um, most of the businesses in the area that I knew were gone. I knew, just gone. But they, they rotated in and out. Um, and now I understand John Jay High School is not John Jay High School anymore. It's a performing arts school. Mm-hmm. It used to be just a regular public school, and it was a dangerous place at one time. I mean, you know, fights and gangs and all kinds of stuff. It was, but it's all calmed down now. They don't have. They used to have the South Brooklyn Boys. They were the largest fighting gang in the in the city, and they were sort of headquartered right where I lived. But um, I never got involved, and uh, I was kind of protected. I taught their warlord how to read and write, and I was like, he's untouchable. I was like, okay, that's cool, yeah. <laughs> he, he couldn't even sign his name on his paycheck, so we, we took care of that. So uh, my dad, like I said, ran a TV store up in Greenwood Avenue, uh, 
up by the uh, cemetery, up by Greenwood Cemetery, for years and years. And, and he finally uh, said, enough of this. I'm tired of doing this. Went to work for the post office and retired out of the post office. But uh, that's just about the time I left to go into service. And so, <clears throat> after your early childhood, what was the next school that you went to? Well, I went to PS 77, which was the elementary school around the corner, and then uh, the, the, now it's called middle school. It was called junior yeah. high school then. And it was at PS 51, mm -hmm. which was on 5th Avenue, be fifth? Yeah, between 5th and 4th, on um, between 4th and 5th. <laughs> well, that's where it was, next to Washington Park. Mm -hmm. And I, I've got very little recollection of what went on in that school. And my mind is like, I don't know, just, I was, Transitional between being a, being a kid and yeah. going to Brooklyn Tech. I wanted to go to Brooklyn Tech, so I was like all, you know, gung ho to, to get out of there and go to the big school. Yeah. And, which I started in the ninth grade, so I went four years to high school instead of three years to middle school. Three years high school, like they do at John Jay. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it was good to get out, and and then I I, I worked at Radio City Music Hall during that time. I was an usher and doorman and backstage tours and publicity department just. Just jack of all trades kind of thing. What was that like? Oh, that was that was terrific. <laughs> I mean, that was terrific. We got no pay at all. Okay. It was a dollar fifteen an hour. The minimum wage was a dollar fifteen. But if you worked in a place that, that allowed tips, you only got a buck fifteen. But at Radio City, because we were all in tuxedos, and you're not allowed to take tips, so we got the buck fifteen, but we couldn't <laughs> take the tips. So kind of got cheated. But it was great. I mean, met a lot of people. I mean, celebrities and. Red Skelton, Mickey Mantle, Queen Elizabeth, uh, Debbie Reynolds, um, the Beatles. Wow. Um, just, there was a lot of people that came through there. And, and Do you have any particularly memorable incidents during your time working there? Well, there was one. I don't know how fit it is for this, but I'm standing there talking to a guy, and he's, he's saying, well, can you tell me, can you direct me to um, Central Park? It's like, well, that's an easy request. You go out this door and you go up and you make a right and go straight ahead and it's right there. I turn back around and he's laying there on the floor. He had died while he's talking to me. <laughs> Never made a sound. Just hit the carpet. Boom, gone. Oh my God. Like, ah. Talk about Debbie. And I'm, I'm thinking, was that my breath? No. <laughs> Talk about who? Debbie. Debbie? Reynolds. Oh, yeah. When Debbie Reynolds came into the, to the theater, there was for the movie The Unsinkable Molly Brown. She came for the opening. That's before your time too, but I know what it is, but, but she's she's up on the the the, um, the the balcony, first mezzanine, and there's a grand staircase, and everybody else, you know, they walk with dignity down the staircase, you know. Not her; she threw one leg over the banister and slid down. She was so cool. Everybody's applauding, and That's yeah, she was just she was wonderful. Yeah. And Mickey Mantle came in; he had a broken leg at the time, <laughs> and he's. Go over to the executive elevator. He's talking to somebody. He lifts up a crutch and just pushes the button for the elevator while he's talking. So how'd you do that? <laughs> I, I usually I hadn't thought of this question before, but the the music and the popular culture at the time. What were you listening to? What were you into? Well, it was uh, it was the beginning of rock and roll. You know, the, the, um, the Beatles hadn't happened yet. So it was like, uh, I, I can't even think of the names of the groups. It was, you know, the Platters, the Drifters, the Earls, the Dukes, uh, and Rapparata and the Delrons, who you've never heard of. But uh, I don't know, just all, uh, it, I listened mostly to uh, uh, early rock music. And then when the, the, the British explosion, that's what they call it, happened, you know, like um, Chad and Jeremy, uh, the, uh, 
name some others. Uh, the, the Stones, Beatles, uh, mm -hmm. all of those groups, they started coming on. Everything changed. It, it, it all became a different culture. Um, it wasn't, you know, doo-wop and, 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 and singing on the street corners anymore. Because it used to be a lot of doo-wop singing on the corners. You know, you get four guys and they, can, they think they can harmonize. And it's getting to be sundown and they're just over there singing and, you know, everybody's either yelling, shut up, or they're enjoying it. <laughs> Depends on four how good seasons. they were. Oh yeah, the four seasons. Well, they, they were a little later, but um, yeah. So we would listen to mostly to doo-wop when I, I was a kid, and then it grew into groups, and then it grew into the, the British invasion, and then it was the, like the Stones and and, and, and Beatles, and, and from then uh, you probably know the history from then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was and. It was nothing to oh, it was nothing to go grab a, a, a subway up to McDonald Avenue. It's uh, three stops on the F train at the time, and you get out and you get on the trolley car. No kidding, on a Scud trolley car, and go to Coney Island on a trolley car. And it dead ended at a place called the Cow Barn, where they turn it around, and when you come back, you, sometimes you might even get on the same trolley and go back under the McDonald Avenue L. Mm -hmm. and it, <laughs> he listened to, I remember at the Cowboy and some worker there had the radio on and uh, first time I heard the song, How Much Is That Doggy in the Window by Patty Page. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's going back. That's mm -hmm. 1954, 55. Yeah. Uh, did you go to Coney Island often? Anytime I could. It was only 15 cents. Yeah. 15 cents on the subway and you're, until 30 cents you're gone for the whole day. Mm -hmm. And my mom's going, Phew. <laughs> he's gone, he's gone. They have the different the theme park that's there now. Oh yeah. The original iteration of that, was that there? It was incredible. They had a thing called uh, Steeplechase Park. Mm -hmm. And before that was Luna Park, but I'm not old yeah. enough for that. Well, it's still branded, it's branded as Luna Park now. Yeah, they but it, it. Yeah, they rebranded yeah. it. But Luna Park was uh, in the 18, early 18, or late 1800s, early 1900s. And then Steeplechase took over about 1920-something, I guess, and stayed through 1960, maybe 65. And then it went away too. They had um, uh, insurance issues. Mm -hmm. They had the actual steeplechase ride, which was these electric horses that you got on and they rode on rails. And people were falling off just so they could sue. <laughs> and they were doing it. And the place had to close down. Yeah. But Coney Island was the place to be. Um, I did have an incident there once when I was running on the boardwalk before they repaired the boardwalks. And I fell, took a header right into the, the boards. And they go out to the end of the pier where the uh, first aid station was and get 115 splinters pulled out. Oh. And at that time, they yanked them out and put iodine on. So it was not a fun day. <laughs> I remember the count, though, 115 splinters. Oh, my gosh. You know, you know legs, chest, arms, face, just everywhere. <laughs> I took a header right onto the bad boards. Oh, no. Uh, so you said you were in a rush to get to high school. Yeah. Because it was an engineering high school, and I, I wanted to be somebody, you know. <laughs> and you had to take a test to get in, and I passed the test, and I was like, all right, you know. I didn't make the most of it, though. I should have, but I didn't. I, I, I graduated rather poorly and went in the service because I, I just, I, I didn't do well in high school. So college, I, I, I graduated cum laude from college, but, I, I, you know, I, I made up for it. But high school, I, I blew it. And next year, going back for my 50th reunion. There you go. 
Yeah. I'm an <laughs> old guy. Do you still keep in touch with anyone from high school? One guy. Okay. Yeah, one guy. And he keeps in touch with two or three. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess when we go in for our 50th, we're, we're all going to get back. Find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, so after high school, you decided to join the service. Yeah. Well, it was either that or I, it, they had the thing called a draft lottery at the time. And, you know, I'm not going to win the state lottery, but the draft lottery, I won that. So instead of... Um, carrying a rifle, I carried a torque wrench. I enlisted in the Air Force and became a jet mechanic mm-hmm. and stayed for four years and did a year in Vietnam. But when I got out, I, I decided I wanted to go to school for aircraft. So I went to Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and went to school there. And the, the day I graduated, the bottom fell out of the industry. They laid off 300 mechanics at American Airlines, which was the biggest depot. So I switched over to uh, uh, non-destructive engineering Oh, non-destructive testing, which X-ray, Magnaflux, Zyglo, all that stuff, and got a job in New Jersey at a nuclear power plant. Couldn't find a place to live. Best I could do was 600 a month for a two-room unfurnished, yeah. and that was in 72. Yeah. So this friend of mine, he says, I'm going back to Ohio. He says, I got a place for you if you want to come. So I got to Ohio. I had 48 cents in my pocket, no job and no house, and got a job, and Work my way up, and after 35 years with a division of General Motors, I retired. I'm still living in Ohio, but I like to come back here to visit. I like I like Park Slope. I just do. I, I, I mean, I was born and raised here, and Prospect Park is probably one of my favorite places on the planet. And some of these apartments in brownstones, you walk by and you just drool. Boy, I wish I had one of those. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous with the ten-foot ceilings and and all the tin ceilings and ten-foot uh, windows and uh, you know and antique and mahogany and hardwood floors and yeah, they're beautiful. And some of them still have gaslights in them. Yeah. Yeah. The, the gaslights yeah. actually work on the walls. Yeah. It's uh, it's an incredible neighborhood. It's it's changed so much. It's so metro now. It's not the way it used to be. It used to be. I don't want to say rough and tumble. It may, may really, there were a few murders here and there, you know, on the, on the streets and, and areaways and doorways. And there was a few. But um, for the most part, it was a nice place to grow up. Kids had it made. Because yeah, you, you had all the streets to play yeah. on. You had playgrounds, you had schoolyards, you had parks. You had Prospect Park, which is like a big open jungle to go wander around in. It was an amazing place. Plus, you were only a subway ride from the, we called it New York. Because... <laughs> If you live in Brooklyn, you call Manhattan, New York. Mm-hmm. Going to New York. Yeah, okay. Uh, so when you say rough and tumble, do you attribute, attribute that more to the look of the place or the attitude or the makeup of the people that are, you know, yes. in describing the changes? Yes. It was all three. Really? Because uh, uh, you didn't walk around when I was a kid. You didn't put on shorts and walk around because you'd get to snot beat out of you. I mean, Really? What kind of wuss are you? Shorts? Get out of here. Um, they had street gangs. I won't name them because the, the names now would be derogatory. But the, the, the biggest gang was the South Brooklyn Boys. We didn't get involved. We stayed away from them. And if you didn't want to get involved, you didn't get involved at those days. It wasn't, you know, drug conscious. It was just like, I don't know, it was fighting gangs. And they would quite often. Um, the neighborhood itself, there, there were a lot of bars. There were a lot of churches, and you swung between one and the other. I mean, it, 
there were a lot of grocery stores, but you know, you got to watch out for the butcher putting his thumb on the, for the scale when he's, yeah. I mean, it was like old time stuff, uh, but a lot of bars. I first got served in a bar at the Blue Eagle Bar on the corner of 3rd Street and 7th Avenue when I was 14. I looked older. You sit in the back room, you mind your own business, and you have a beer. If you get drunk, you'll never be allowed back in. <laughs> so you have a beer and you talk and you shoot some pool, and that was cool. But it was, those were the kind of days. I mean, now, nothing like that could happen, you know, because they card you for everything. Matter of fact, the first time I ever got carded was the day I turned 18 and walked into the Blue Eagle Bar, and the guy said, you could have had me shut down, I didn't know. It. Like, Here, have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that being from Brooklyn has influenced your life in any way in particular, or influenced your outlook, your perspective, especially as you moved away, joining the service, that's a very particular experience that you must know of people from all over. Well, they, the people from all over, they, I may not know where they're from. You know, they'll tell me they're from Podunk, Idaho, and I, I'm sorry, I've never heard of it, but you say Brooklyn, New York, and there's nobody that hasn't heard of it. So it, it carries with it a little bit of, a little bit of uh, like an aura. I don't see it that way myself, but other people did. I, you know, where are you from? Brooklyn. All right, all right, it's okay. <laughs> Back off, don't hurt me. No, 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 I just said Brooklyn. Yeah. So you think that is sort of a toughness? Or a... It's a perceived toughness. It wasn't real. It wasn't real. It was perceived. You know, it was, you, you did that because that's the way you, you got along here, you know? You know, the your mama so fat jokes and all of that. Everything, all of that, all came into your being as a kid here. Um, you learned about sex on the streets. You didn't learn about it in school. They didn't have sex education. You just listened to what people said. And, and most of the time it was wrong, but you know, <laughs> go with the flow and kind of pick out the good parts and the bad parts, and then you figure it out. Um, never got the talk from the parents. You know, they were old school. And so it was like you learn on the streets. Um, you, matter of fact, you learn almost everything on the streets that you didn't learn in school. And school was uh, a little different. Um, I had to go to uh, John Jay one time when we had a, a transportation strike or a blackout or something. I had to go to John Jay. Walked in, sat down, and uh, the teacher's looking around and waiting for everybody to be quiet. And this one woman's talking, 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 talking. One girl, she just kept talking. He goes, hey, shut up. Or he goes, he said, shut up up and she goes oh my virgin ears and he goes and i'm sure that's all honey now shut up <laughs> you're in trouble for that now <laughs> oh yeah you'd be suspended as a teacher but i mean that's the way it was then one teacher walks in and he says who's tough in here well everybody me too you raise your hand because you got to be tough you're in brooklyn um who's really tough all right i'm not that tough i put my hand down who's the toughest the guy stood up, yeah, what do you want? Took him out in the hall, beat the crap out of him. No more trouble in that class. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it was. And it wasn't that way in every school. It wasn't that way in every class. And a lot of people, you'll talk to them, and they say, what's he talking about? That never happened. But it did, and I was there, and I saw it. And uh, one time we got shut down, and I had to go to Erasmus Hall High School. And I got to sit in, sit in Barbara Streisand's chair. <laughs> that's where she went to school. Oh my goodness, oh, heartthrob. <laughs> uh, if you don't mind me asking, um, I don't want to pry into your service, but it, was there anything in particular that you took away from, from that time or any particular memories that you'd like to mention about your time in the service? <clears throat> well, I, I, I 
would have re-enlisted. I, I liked the service. I would have re-enlisted in the Air Force, except they told me, okay, you got to go back to Vietnam. And I said, thank you anyway. And I took my, uh, my four years and got out. I would have stayed. I would, and if I'd been able to go anywhere else but Vietnam, I would have, I would have stayed in. Because I liked the, the, I was a jet mechanic and I liked the work. I like working on a flight line. I liked airplanes. I like going up in them. If you did real good quality work, the pilot vehicle gets your gear, let's take a ride. Yeah, let's go. Mm -hmm. And those days are over too. You can't do that anymore either. But in the old days, you could. So, yeah, I would have stayed in. I, I, would have, I enjoyed it. And I'd look to go back, and they said, oh, well, you've got you to do all of these tests. All right, let me see the test. And it's all social studies. And it's like, I, what's that got to do with jet mechanicing? I don't want to do this. So I didn't go back in. After the Vietnam War, I just didn't bother it. And then I got the job at, uh, it's a place called Packard Electric, which is closed now, but they made the old Packard motor cars, and then they made wiring for General Motors, and I worked in that company for 35 years and took a retirement a few years ago. So now it's just wander around where I want to and go where I want to, or wherever Carol says, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, and how would you, do, uh, the differences between People are friendlier there than here. People are less busy there than here. Um, this is this is a bedroom community now. It wasn't when I grew up. It was working class, um, blue collar. Now it's more like a white collar or ring around the collar. But uh, in, in Ohio, it's it's I don't know. You have urban and you have suburban and you have farm you know rural we're in it's like a suburban and there's no sidewalks there's no but for me to go to from my house to erie pennsylvania it's about 90 miles it takes about 90 minutes mm -hmm. there's no traffic there's none you get on the highway and route 11 north out of where i, I live sometimes you see a car and sometimes you don't yeah I, we're on the grand central parkway yesterday oh my god I don't want to. I don't want to live here again, as far as traffic goes. I just don't want to do it. I like the neighborhood. If I was, uh, you know, bussing and subwaying my way around, I would consider it. But there's no way I could afford it anymore. It's way out of my price range. Like I, we were talked earlier, uh, you could have bought a brownstone at the time I left for ten thousand dollars plus back taxes, and then a hundred grand to renovate, and you're back in business with a nice place. That's all three or four floors. Now, you can't touch one of those places for two or three million. And it's the same neighborhood, it's the same building, it's just a different attitude, a different approach, it's a different kind of uh, pork slope. I like it now, I like it as well now as I did then. I like it better for some reasons, but not as much for other reasons, because you know, some of the things that passed into history were good, they were fun, but you can't do it anymore. And it just, you don't, you know, like running between the subway stations. Oh, we're not supposed to say that. But that was like a rite of passage. You had to go from 7th Avenue to 15th Street, and you got to run through the train tracks in the dark. And, oh, hope you don't get hit. You were in the tunnel? Oh, yeah. What? There was a rite of passage. You had to do that. You know, just go, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was one of those things you just did. To get, to get between lines instead of going above ground, or? No, just, just to say, fun? just to say that just you to do did it. it. To yeah, yeah. Okay, I did that. You know, oh my like gosh. In, in in what was it? Uh, the Lion King. You had to yeah. go out and and, and and kill a lion. You yeah. know, to be a man. Well, you had to run between the subway stations. Yeah. Did it 
No. No. You wait for the, the last train to leave. It's 15 minutes for the next one. It takes you 10 minutes to get there. Fair. You're good. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Just don't trip. Because <laughs> that third rail is 300 volts and 600 amps or something. And you become a crispy critter real quick. Well, clearly you've made it. You're still yes. <laughs> Whoa. I didn't know that. And going to Coney Island and hanging out under the boardwalk. Remember that song, Under, under the Boardwalk? Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's all where that came from. It was a nice place, cool sand, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention that we haven't talked about or anything that you'd like to talk about in terms of what you hope people will remember about an earlier time? What I, what I miss about the earlier time was the, you know, you, you go to somebody's house and you knock on the door and the, the, the mom will drag you and say, you're too thin, here, sit down and eat. And whatever they had, you're going to have, you know? Um, in one house it was always peanut butter and jelly. Thanks anyway, you know. Okay. And another house, this woman she cooked Italian all the time. Stand, have some, have some, you know, whatever they were having, some raviolis, have some, uh, I don't know, whatever they were having. They're having tons of it. They always make tons of it. Big pot of sauce, stirring all day. I miss that. It was ethnic food, and it was like the the, the kids were like in, in, you know, part of the family. We always had kids up at our house, you know, and, and a couple of kids in particular from up Second Street because their mom didn't like to cook. They came down to our place and they had, they had dinner every once in a while. It was good. But yeah, I miss that. I miss the, 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 the neighborhood atmosphere. Now it's a, it's a community, not a neighborhood. I think it's changed in that way. Um, don't, want to, don't know if I'd want to see it go back to that, but I miss that because that's the way I grew up. Yeah. And when you say community versus neighborhood, can you define what you mean by that? Well, when it was a neighborhood, it was um, it was more or less the kids are out on the street playing, uh, and you're going from uh, street to street, and you're going up to the park, and now it's a community, and it's all like parental involvement, and um, you know the, the kids are you know when they walk now in, in a group, I noticed them today right outside the library, they all hang on to the little strap, and you got a whole bunch of kids hanging on to a little strap. It was like you get over there. When it was a neighborhood, but now that it's a community, it's different. Everything's more, it's boxed and civilized and, and shrink wrapped. And, and, and it's, it's not the open ended kind of wild and woolly that it used to be. I, I miss that, but in some, a lot of ways, the civil stuff is, is, is better for people growing up. Kids are going to miss what I had, and they're not going to know it because they don't have it. But if I were growing up now, knowing what I knew then, I'd be rebelling. <laughs> but no, that's, that's about it. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for your time, Charlie. Well, I appreciate uh, you asking me to do this, and th- thank you very much for your time.